Wow, now there's a surprise. You actually get me today. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, and I don't care what she says up here. Yes, it is normal for adult woods to come up here and cry all over this stage when we feel loved by you or when we're going through something. Because if there's anything that I've learned over the last week and a half, two weeks, two and a half weeks, whatever it's been right now, it's that we are just normal people like anybody else. And good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. It just does. It rains on the just and the unjust and we're thankful to be here and we're excited about it. It has been a time of um, spiritual warfare. I believe that specifically about um, the last couple of weekends that the devil has specifically been coming after us. But I'm also excited because it means that something is coming. Something is on its way. Something is unfolding and I'm good about that. That. But as the pastor and dealing with people the world over, but here in Richmond, Kentucky, I am aware that if I am standing here with a target on my chest that says, shoot me, and the enemy's taking his best shot, there is such thing as called collateral damage. And I am very concerned um, that as the enemy comes after me, and as you continue to participate in this church, as you continue to give God your best yes and begin to serve, do not be surprised that you begin to wonder why are things happening in my life. And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to talk about that today. Nine and a half years ago, we moved into this church, into this facility. Ten years ago, we were at a church. Nine and a quarter years ago, we moved into this facility. The morning that we moved into this facility, some of my absolute 100% favorite Baptist friends that, that uh, um, you know, in the, in the evangelical world, you know, you're... you're, you're you're kind of charismatic and wacko, or you're, you know, bibliocentric, and that means, you know, the Bible and nothing but, and, and so, you know, the Holy Spirit. Well, anyway, um, the last person I expected to get a text from on that particular morning, okay, was my Baptist friends. Now, it wasn't that I didn't expect to get a text from them. I did not expect to get a prophetic text from them. I did not expect somebody um, from the Southern Baptist Convention to contact me and say, I had a dream. I need to tell you what this dream was. There were two monsters standing outside of the vineyard. This is literally, I, I still have this thing. There's two monsters standing outside of the vineyard, and they're saying to people, Carry on, move on by, don't come in here, don't come in here, because they don't want people's lives changed. She said, I had this dream several nights in a row, and I just woke up, and the Lord said, well, you need to tell him. And so for nine and a half years, we've been praying against fear, and for nine and a half years, we have been praying against lust. That is the world that we live in, and as I see the enemy coming against us, I see people living in fear, and I see people giving in to lust. And these are things, and this doesn't have to be sexual. It can be all kinds of things that distract you from God himself and lead you down a path that ends up destroying the life that God wanted to give you. It can be sexual, and it can present itself very much that way. Please do not misunderstand me. And so as, as, I, as I gather together with you this morning, and I don't know if you know it, but there's a running post right now on how long I'm going to preach. So if anybody wants to set a timer and push go, um, the, uh, um, the booth back there is taking all bets and the house gets 10% from the winner. Um, but that being said, 
That being said, I, I just want to share with you, I just want to share with you, what does it mean for us? And I, and I, and I didn't know how to say this, but I, you know, I want to be an overcomer. I'm excited about Vinestock. I'm excited about the next sermon series that's called The Art of Driving in the, or Racing in the Storm. The Art of Racing in the Storm. Yes, it's a ripoff, but GM gave me permission to use some of their photographs from one of their cars, um, and I'm really excited about that just because they gave us permission. But that being said, but today, I, I just want to be with you today. And all I want to do today is to share with you what God shared with me and invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, what, if this is what I'm hearing today, then God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say to me? Why do good things always happen to other people? You ever been there? Why do good things always happen to other people. Why do I always look over and it's like, wow, he got the position at work. I've been here 10 years longer than him. Wow. Hey, how come that? I've been here. I've been loyal. I've been faithful. How about that, Lord? Why? Why do I get this and they get that? What's going on, Lord, that, as David would say, why do the evil, why do they rise up and appear wealthy, and, and you know, why do us who are trying to be righteous feel oppressed and beat down, and that's a paraphrase, why is that going on? And the psalmist says, don't worry, the Lord's paying attention, they're going to get what's coming. The problem is, we want them to get what's coming right now, right? And we want to get what's coming to us right now. We just want to be careful because we don't know what's coming. See? we got to be really careful about what's coming down the pike. The last couple of weeks came down the pike for us. I didn't want it coming any faster, but I'm glad I didn't know it was coming. I really am glad. But as I was looking at this, this past week we've seen people, God do something incredibly amazing in the life of a man named Benny Hinn. Now, I'm not here to speak against Benny Hinn. I'm just here to say that somebody that preaches basically nothing but a prosperity gospel, for him to stand up and say, you know what? I got it wrong. I need to do a theology correction. The, the appropriate term is repentance, but I'll take a theology correction, okay? It means the same thing. When I come to the place and I realize the things I'm doing are wrong, and I stop and say, whoa, I need to lay a hold of some truth here. I need to repent. Repent is not a bad word. It's not an evil word. It doesn't mean you're the worst person in the world. It means you're going a different direction. That's all it means. I'm going a different direction. And I, I'm glad to see that. I, I personally, I believe, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. Build your life on that. Deny yourself. It's not about you. Take up your cross. Count yourself dead. Follow me. What did I say? What's written down about what's written down? See, you build your life on that and begin to watch what happens. And I want to go into this thing. I want to do this. Now, Jesus also said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Nobody? Amen? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. Well, Pastor, we don't do talk back at your church. It's like, you're right. You're right. I, I'm usually moving too fast for anybody to comment, and I'm good with that. Okay. But listen to me. The word used for abundantly in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, means vehemently. I can't, I can't imagine that word any other way than vehemently or violently. So when Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it just to, a, to a, a vehement degree, a wonderful degree, an exciting degree, 
I look at my life and I say, yes, that's what's going on. The last two weeks have not changed my opinion about my life. The rain falls on the just. The rain falls on the unjust. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. What, what are we going to do? God, I'm looking around and I'm saying, why did good things happen to other people? But I promise you, somebody is looking at you and saying, why don't good things happen to me? And somebody is looking at you beyond that. Beyond, there's always somebody looking your direction and the direction that you're looking and the direction that you're looking that you're looking and saying, wow, because there is always somebody that would like your life. And sometimes we say, wow, how do I go about getting more out of this life? Now, when I say get more out of this life, I don't just mean stuff and things. I don't. I mean relationship to God. I mean solid, good marital relationships. I mean good friends. How do I get good friends? I mean, how do I succeed financially? Not how do I end up Bill Gates, just simply how do I succeed financially? How do I lay a hold of something that puts me back into the corner where I feel like I've been blessed by God? How do I get past addiction? How do I, I'm going to talk to you about a guy, uh, and it's, it's, it's a guy that I'm aware of. It's a guy that the Lord just laid him on my heart as I was anticipating this sermon. Um, it's in First Chronicles chapter 11. That's where this scripture is. It's a very small um, piece of scripture, and, and, and honestly, the setup is um, Ezra is just talking to us, but, but we're going to read this. And so we're just going to say, come Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts, come and wreck us, come, come shine your light through this passage, Holy Spirit, on the part of our life that you want to take your finger from heaven and put right down inside of our heart and scratch it a little bit. Put your finger right there, God. As this thing unfolds. And so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and do this. So the scripture that I'm going to read for you is in 1 Chronicles. And it begins like this. In, in chapter 11, in verse 22, I'm still using this. Believe it or not, this is the actual first Bible that um, I um, ever used as a preacher. This was my first one, 1993, you know, September 1st. There I was, and this was my very first ever Bible. Not that that means a thing to you, but this is awesome. I'm using this. It's actually good that I can still read it. The print is so small. Okay, but here we are, okay, 26 years later. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzael who performed great exploits. It says he struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck, out, he struck down an Egyptian who was seven and a half feet tall, although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod. So he had a spear about that big around. Okay, the shaft of it was about that big around in his hand. Benaiah, Benaiah excuse me, went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty men. He was held in great honor, more than any of the 30, but he was also not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. You say, what on earth does all that mean? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Okay, because what we've got here is Ezra writing the book of First Chronicles, and all he's trying to do is lay out for us the ongoings of how God is moving in the life of King David. 
King David is an amazing man. And, and um, Ezra is saying, and this is how it all went down that, at this point anyway, that David came into power. David rose in the ranks to become the king of Israel, and this is how it begins to unfold. And so in chapter 11, he's beginning to say, now this is, these are all David's men, and then he divides them down, and these are his special men, and then he divides them down again. He goes, this is his special men, then he divides them all the way down and says, and this is my most special guy. Okay, and that's what's going on. Um, Ezra is absolutely laying it out for us. So in the course of it, he says, these are the chiefs of David's, what's referred to as David's mighty men. You know, Robin Hood had merry men. David has mighty men. Okay, I'm not, I don't doubt that they made merry. Doesn't, I, I would believe that. Okay, but these are his mighty men. And of his mighty men, which I personally do not know how many there were, okay, he had 30 chiefs overseeing them. So there's 30 generals, if you will, and generals back then did not sit back in the back somewhere and plot things out. You didn't get to be a general unless you were out front doing all the doing and leading people. There was no going to the back line and just yelling orders from the back. You had to lead from the front. Come, follow me. Wow, where have you heard that before? Because we're in spiritual battle. And Jesus still sees it as a war. He is still saying, come, follow me. And I'm saying, God... I want to be great for you. What do we do? So David had these men that were very mission critical, if you will do that. And if I could even just bring it even down, down home a little bit. His mighty men, the whole group of mighty men, were special forces. Everybody, open up a theological treaty on, on this particular passage, and they will tell you. The mighty men are David's special forces. These are the Navy SEALs. These are the Rangers. These are the, the Green Berets. These are those guys that train more, harder, and lead the other people, okay? So over these mighty men, over these special forces, are 30 chiefs. And over these 30 men are three chiefs. And over this, um, um, these three chiefs is a man named, um, make sure I get this right, Abishai, okay? Abishai is in charge of the three, but he's not one of the three, the scripture says. But he's in charge of them, okay? So three, however many have 30, and of those 30, three are leading them, and it just keeps, you know, doing this all the way up. And over all of the fighting men in David's army is a guy named Benaiah. <clears throat> and he would be, are you ready? The Gerard Butler <laughs> of King David. <clears throat> the angel has fallen. But he didn't fall. The White House is down. But it's not down. But he's the guy. Where King David goes, Benaiah goes. He is so mighty, but he, you don't get to be mighty because you are loyal. You don't get to be mighty because you um, answered all the right questions. You don't get to be mighty because you trained. You get to be mighty because you accomplished. And so Ezra says, by the way, let me tell you about Benaiah, who's the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. And let me tell you how he got to be David's number one guy.
tell you how he got to that place where he was the one that followed him around. He was the son of a priest, so he had, you know, some family. He was the one, by the way, that later on parades Solomon through after um, Adonijah decides that he's going to be king. One of David's um, sons decides he's going to set himself up as king. And um, Benaiah says, no, 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 no. And he talks to David, and in the course of events, um, he grabs a hold of Solomon and parades him to the throne, sets him up there, and gets everybody to say, yay, Solomon's our new king. And suddenly they there's trouble in the house. And it's just a big family issue. But that's what's going on. And so we're looking at this thing right here. And, and, and it just seems crazy when we stop and we say that good things always happen to other people. And I want to ask you, what are the things that led to, what are the characters, what are the, what are the happenings in, in Benaiah's life that allowed him to rise to prominence? What are the things that I think that you need to take from these two verses in the scripture that will change your life? life forever. Now, you have to decide the application. You really do. <clears throat> you're going to have to decide the instance. You're going to have to decide the application. Because I'm going to take each of the three things that are listed in Benaiah's story, and I'm going to say, does this describe you in your situation? You want those good things to happen to me. First of all, you have to get your eyes, this is not one of them, just get your eyes off everybody else and say, Lord, what do you want from me? Because Benaiah showed up to David and said, what do you need from me? What needs to happen, okay? And he was that guy. And so as I go down through this thing, Ezra lists this. Number one, okay, he moved forward. Does that describe you? If you back up one year in your finances, in your relationships, in your spirituality, in your relationship to God... Are you moving forward? Are you stuck financially? Are you stuck relationally? Are you stuck spiritually? And you're like, this last year has just been a dry one for me, Pastor Joe. It will be if you don't keep moving forward. You see, one of the things, two things are going to happen when you surrender your life to Jesus and you get all excited and you're all fired up and you just want to dance on top of the mountain like Peter did. You just want to stay up there and say, Lord, we better just build tabernacles up here. It's all going to be great. And the Lord says, be quiet. Listen to my son, whom I love. And Peter's like, yes, sir. Okay, we want to stay up there. But something happens when you go down the mountain and exciting and, and adrenaline-giving, rushing things are not happening in your life all the time. You begin to say, wow, and where is it? And you stop moving forward. But the problem is you are either moving forward or you're moving backwards. You are not sitting still because the kingdom of God has not stopped moving from the day that Jesus came down here. Are you moving forward? People that God singles out tend to be people that continue to act instead of make excuses. Benai approved himself as a doer for God, as a, as a guy that would go the extra mile, somebody that understood and did the work as we're looking at this right here. He continued to move forward. Noah was a guy that moved forward. Abraham was a guy that moved forward. Samson was a guy that moved forward. Joseph was a guy that moved forward. John the Baptist was a guy that moved forward. The disciples were people that said, let's go to Jerusalem and die with him. We're moving forward. Paul moved forward. Timothy moved forward 
forward. I was reading um, something from Timothy um, here, in, um, probably in the book of Acts, but, but it said, and when, when Timothy gets out of prison, so even Timothy was moving forward to the point that they slapped him in prison and Paul wasn't with him. Moving forward, they chose not to make excuses to live in fear. What if? What's going to happen? How are we going to do this? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a, a self-discipline. I memorized that years ago in Bible college. And it didn't say that that way. It says it a little different. For we have not been given a spirit of fear, but rather we have been given a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound discipline, a right mind, a, the ability to think in a straight line. God has given us the ability through his Holy Spirit living inside of us to open up our Bible, to see what it says, and to make sense of it, or to work it out with his attention. Successful people are people that are moving forward. Pick the area of your life. In the church world, churches that are anchored in the past don't last. Can I do that again? Churches that are anchored in the past don't last. And I'm not saying that we're doing it right and everybody's doing it wrong. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying the message never changes, but the method will never stop changing. That's all I'm saying. Truth is still truth. Sin is still sin. You can't change that. But we continue to do things so different than our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents, okay? We drive to church in cars, and everybody brings their own, you know? You come, your spouse comes, your child comes. Everybody drives their own car, okay? You know, because everybody wants their own car, all right? We use buses to pick people up and bring them to church. We turn lights on inside of the church building. We serve cooked meals on stoves before we go to church. We expect that when we get to church, the heat will be on or the air conditioner will be on. You actually know the air conditioner will be on because you brought your coat. So um, there you are. Um, we, I, listen, I only do that so that you don't go to sleep and it's comfortable. I know sometimes you're like, but it's a little cold in here. Okay. Um, office etiquette, you know, suit coats, um, 70 degrees. That's, that's what we try to give it. All right. So we use technology. We paint the walls. We encourage children to color on Bible um, story sheets with crayons that are made using 20th, 21st century technology. We, we sing new songs because the psalm, the Bible says, sing to the Lord a new song, not sing to the Lord the same old song. Okay? I'm, I'm not, I don't know about you, but you know, after about three weeks of the top 40, I'm done. It's like, I can only imagine God when we're all down here fighting over, you know, just as I am one more time. You know, it's like, he's like, I've heard that for thousands of years now. Okay, move on. Write a new song from your heart. Not that it's not a good song. It's a good song. But the method changes. And we sing to God and we play on instruments. Are you moving forward? Benaiah was a man who was moving forward. That's what the scripture says. He didn't back up. He chose to move forward. He was not distracted. He chose to move forward. Number one, he faced those two Moabite warriors. We'll talk about that in a second. Let, let's go to this one instead. He was all in. Number one, he was moving forward. Number two, he was all in. Some of you need to grab a hold of that. 
What does it mean for you to be all in? Not in a little bit. Not a, some of you are all in like, you know, somebody's saying, well, can't we just be a little bit pregnant? It's like, no, you cannot be a little bit pregnant, okay? You either are or you aren't. Okay, it's really important to grab a hold of that, that, that concept, okay? It's a yes or a no. It's a plus or a minus, okay? Yeah, okay, so that's the way it is. The same thing is true with God. Get off the fence, the Lord said in the book of Revelation. Get off the fence. Be hot or be cold, but get off the fence. It's time to go all in. Benaiah was all in. Benaiah went into the pit. Now, I don't know why Benaiah went into the pit, but I can tell you right now from personal experience, I'm not going into the pit after the lion on a snowy day if the lion is not bothering anybody. If I'm in the village with my peoples and we're having vine stock and we all see the lion out there on the EKU campus, but he's not crossing the road, I'm the guy that's saying, leave him alone. He's not bothering us. We're not bothering him. Is it the enemy who's a roaring lion or is it the lion of Judah? I don't want to find out this morning. <laughs> Leave him alone. I can only assume that Benaiah went into the pit because he was doing something to the people of the village. And Benaiah is the kind of guy that doesn't let it go on and go on and go on. Some, sometimes some good people are going to have to start standing up. I'm sorry. It is time to go down into the pit after the lion and shut it down. And Benaiah, Benaiah was all in because he knew going into that pit, only one was coming out alive. Just one. But he was still willing to go in. Because I need you to grab a hold of this thought. The way to win is to go all in. The way to win is to go all in. You want your finances to straighten back out? Then go all in on straightening out your finances. How many people have started the Dave Ramsey class and went through the first one where they said build a budget and you were like, ah, oh, no, they just drove a stake through my heart. I can't live, I can't breathe. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not all in on that. You know, what about I need a Snickers? What about I, you know, I need some new pants? What about I need some new boots? What about I need something to preach in? What about, yeah, I got all these excuses why that's just gonna kill me. That's not from the Lord. <laughs> If you want your finances straightened out, you got to go all in. And then you got to stay at it. You got to keep going. I want my marriage to get better. I don't like it. It's awful. It's, and and I, I understand there's two people in a marriage, but I'm just telling you right now that marriage is one of those things where you are called to go all in, not kind of in. And I'm just going to say this out loud right now. If you are married and you have two different accounts because you got his money and her money, you have already built a chasm. You have already built a hole. You have already said, I don't trust. Or you've said, what if? And when you say, what if, you're living in fear. You're not trusting God. But you've built a hole in your marriage intentionally. And now you're going to start living that way, and it's going to widen and widen and widen, and I'll be, I'll be a little bit concerned for you. Hey, say, I want my job to go. If you want your job to go better, go all in. Be the guy that shows up 15 minutes before you're supposed to clock in. Stop basing your performance on what everybody else in the room is doing. Well, if they can do that, I shouldn't have to do this. Well, if they're not going to work that hard, I'm not going to work this hard. Great then stop complaining you didn't get the promotion. 
You don't deserve it. I love you, but you don't deserve You did not agree to work for that company if everybody around you worked as hard as you do, did you? I bet that wasn't a part of your interview process. So, uh, and just if, if Mary doesn't work as hard as you, will you, will you at least work as hard as Mary? Uh, it, it, I mean, was that a question you had in your interview process? No. You agreed to do this job for this much money. Go above and beyond. Give 105% and watch what begins to happen. Be the one that solves the problem, not the one creating the drama at work. And watch what happens to your career. The way to win, the way to win is to go all in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You familiar with that story? They wouldn't bow down King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't bow down, I'm going to kill you all. They were all in a foreign country with a foreign king. They were being held hostage. They were being raised as hostages. And when, and when Nebuchadnezzar said, you boys better bow down. These are Daniel's friends. You boys better now bow down. I'm going to throw you in the fire. This was their answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you on this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he'll deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve you, your gods, or worship the, gold, uh, the image of gold that you set up. It's not going to happen. Listen, we care. We're being respectful. We just need you to understand the answer is no, because we're all in with God, and we trust God. We trust God. I love this scripture. I'll get to that one in a second. So many times when God asks us to do something, we have excuses, right? Oh, it's too early in the morning. I don't want to get up that early. Oh, the weather's not perfect for me. It might be hot today. Oh, that's going to cost money. I don't want to do that. Oh, you want me to use my talents? And uh, I don't want to do that either. Oh, that's too much energy to express. I, I want to watch, you know, the last episodes of Survivor. It's, it's, very, it's very important, Lord. You don't know it. But the problem is our excuses never supplants the simplicity of if God called you to it, God will see you through it. A little too simple? I'm just telling you, if God called you to it, God will see you through it. But that means take him by the hand. Get a hold of him and walk with him. Or let's say it this way. If God asks you for it, if he wants you to give it to him, God can be trusted to replace it. See, because he gave it to you the first time. He saw to it that you got it. And all he's saying is, trust me in this. Trust me with your children. Trust me with your marriage. Trust me with your job. Trust me with your finances. Trust me and do it with action. The last thing that I want to share with you, we'll get out of here, is somebody that's going to rise to the top, somebody that's going to succeed. Understand this. He does the best he can, no gender intended, does the best he can with what he has, not with what he wants. Everybody's got a whole bunch of excuses when God call, comes knocking and they're like, oh, I'm not good enough yet, or I can't do that, or that'll make me look like a fool, or what if people don't listen, or what if nobody wants to come and be in my group, or man, I don't want to go out there and, and tell people Jesus loves them, can they come to church? I don't, oh man, I'll, I'll look like an idiot, and I just, I don't think I'm the guy. I don't want to do that. I'm telling you right now that when, when uh, Benaiah saw that Egyptian, Benaiah had a club. 
In front of Benaiah stood a seven and a half foot Egyptian with a spear that had a shaft on it that big around. Now Benaiah could have backed up and said, whoa, and this is how some of you do. Oh, that's too scary. That's making me nervous. I can't be a part of that. I'm just going to go over here. We're going to skip a couple of Sundays. Maybe you'll forget about us. Then we'll show back up and sit in the back. It's okay. You know, it's like, don't get us plugged into a small group. Don't get us plugged into the, don't, oh, that's kind of scary stuff. And we back up because we don't have the ability. We don't have the resource. Listen, if God asked you to do it, it's because he's already given you everything you need to accomplish it in him. It's five loaves and two fish. New story, but I'm not going to get into it. Let me go this way instead. Egyptian shows up. He's got a club in his hand. Benaiah is standing there. And Benaiah doesn't say, I can't do this, God, because I don't have the weaponry it takes to beat this guy. He says, thanks for sending the guy with the weapon that I need to beat him up. And the scripture says he takes the weapon away from the Egyptian and kills him with it. He didn't say, well, I got nothing. Dude, I'm going to sit right here until you tell me to plant a church and give me all the money it's going to take to do it and give me a job. <laughs> no, he says, get out of the boat. You want to walk on the water? I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to make the water hard. Let's go. And so Benaiah said, fine. Took the spear away from the guy and killed him. Suddenly he found himself as the bodyguard to David. What position do you want on earth? What is it you're looking for? You remember when God told Moses to leave his people, lead his people out of slavery? He said, Moses, you're my guy. You've been out here in the wilderness for 40 years with a bunch of pagans playing shepherd, but you're my guy. And Moses said, Lord, <laughs> pardon your servant, Lord. Uh, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me. And I think he meant through the fiery bush. He said, and I'm slow to speak uh, and, and, and of tongue. And what he's saying is I'm not real quick and sharp to have an argument with Pharaoh. I, you know, he's going he's gonna to outspeak me, and I'm going to go home thinking, you know how you, don't we do this? You know what I should have said? I should have said this. I should have said, I'm just not fast enough. You know, we do that. And that's what Moses is saying. He's like, oh, Lord, listen, I, I'm, just not, I'm just not quick enough. I'm, you know, you no, know, Lord, you know. And the Lord said, whoa, 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 Moses. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who makes them sight or makes them blind. Is it not I, says the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. The Lord says, the Lord says, I will give you everything you need to know. Let's do this thing. And look, look at Moses' response. Uh, pardon your servant, Lord. That was all very eloquent and all. I'm adding that part in. Send someone else. Wow. So many people live their lives in that sentence. They won't say it out loud. Because <laughs> that means I'm not a Christian, right? If we say no Lord, he's not our Lord. And at that point, he was not Moses' Lord. He was God, and there's nothing Moses could do about that. But Moses was not following his God. And he said, no Lord, send someone else. How many times have you said that to God when he told you to be to work early? When it was okay to clean up after somebody that made a mess at work? When it was okay to make the bed while your spouse was taking a shower? Because it is man's work. You slept in it. Come on. How many times has God asked you to do something? You said, Lord, send somebody else. No. 
Benaiah was not the guy that said some somebody else. Benaiah was the guy that said, thanks for the spear. I'll handle this, thank you. David was the king that said, what are you guys hiding for? The enemy's down there, let's go kill him. And he went down there all by himself and killed Goliath. Moving forward, all in. Look at that. And he's willing to do with what he's got. Kevin Clark told me, when it came time to plant this church, we planted out of the Lexington Vineyard. And Kevin Clark told me one time, he said, excellence is not doing the best with what you want. Excellence is doing the best with what you've got already. If you're going to keep saying, no, Lord, why on earth would the Lord give you more? You already won't use what you've got that he gave you for his kingdom. Why should he give you more? Why should he give you more time? Why should he give you more romance? Why should he give you more children? Why should he give you a better job? Why should he give... God is trying to further his kingdom. He's inviting you to be a part of it. He didn't make you the mission. He invited you into the mission. And Benaiah knew that. What about you? What about you? As we gather together this morning, I know that God wants to say something to you. I know that somewhere in the midst of all of this shenanigans that this pastor is up here doing, God reached his finger right into your heart and touched it. And you know, you know where you're sitting right now, what he was saying. I don't, and I don't need to. But I can tell you this. Some of you aren't moving forward anymore with Jesus. You started well with God, but then pretty soon you got tired. Pretty soon it wasn't working for you. Pretty soon God wasn't stepping and fetching it for you. And pretty soon you got bored. And then pretty soon you just kind of let it go. And pretty soon you wonder what happened. People that rise to the top don't do that. They're always moving forward. In your relationship to Jesus, you are never standing still because the kingdom of God is never not moving. The kingdom of God is always moving. So if you're standing still, you're going backwards. And God's inviting you to move forward. It's time for you to stop reading your five-minute devotional and start opening up your Bible and studying to show yourself approved. It's time. It's okay to turn off friends. You, they're not making any new ones. They'll be around for a long time. I like it. I like that show. <laughs> but sometimes it's okay to turn it off and study and get to know God. Sometimes it's okay not to just say, our Father who art in heaven, it's okay to pour out your heart to God and then wait and listen. Sometimes it's okay to understand that chasing after Jesus is not about you being happy and finding happiness in every little thing. It's about you being faithful to your word and persevering. Sometimes that's what it's about. Are you moving forward? Some of you in here, I know, the question for you is, have you gone all in? I'm not saying, have you ever been to church? I'm not saying, have you ever been baptized? I'm saying, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? So that when he asks something of you, you give it up to him because he's the Lord. A lot of people go to church. Jesus said, a lot of people are going to say, Lord, Lord, then I'm going to say, I don't know you. Matthew, Matthew 7. It's not about knowing. James says it's about knowing and doing together. Together. And even when it doesn't make sense, we do it God's way.
Have you gone all in? Do you tithe? Do you tell people about the Lord? Do you serve the local body? Do you pray regularly other than dinner? Okay. What do you do? What do you do? And the last thing is, are you doing the best with what you have? If you're married, are you doing the best with that relationship? Are you making that other person feel so important and so good about being married to you? Or do you think somehow it's your job to boss them around? I didn't marry a mom. I didn't need a mom. She didn't marry a dad. She didn't need a dad. That's my wife. We are partners. We are equals in this relationship. We are walking together. We talk it out. What about you? Are you doing the best or is God getting your leftover time, your leftover love, your leftover money, your leftover attention, and your leftover service? Are you telling God, well, one day, Lord, one day I will. One day is today. One day is today. These people are up here to pray for you. That's what they're up here for. If it's time for you to surrender your life to Jesus, then today's a great day for you. If it's time for you to bring that burden that is aching in your heart to Jesus, it's a great day for you. This is a day for you to say, Lord, here I am. This is the day to kill the Moabites. This is the day to go into the pit after the lion. And this is the day to realize that God has given you the shaft the Egyptian is holding. Whatever that metaphor is in your life, it's for you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to fall upon us today. We invite you to come. We we invite you to be God to us, to all of us. Touch us where you need to touch us. Help us to be honest. Help us to be real. Our marriages are under attack. This is the day to bolster ourselves, God. Protect us from the enemy. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. Demons, get out. Today we are here for Jesus. And Jesus alone. So come Holy Spirit in Jesus' name.